Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. State lawmakers have growing concerns about efforts to legalize the recreational use of today's high-THC level, high-potency marijuana. A resolution asks that lawmakers not rush irresponsible legislation purely for tax revenue, but consider the health and safety of Illinoisans as their first priority when considering the question of legalization. Lawmakers calling for a slowdown are citing a number of concerns, including increased access and use among young people, mental health issues, increased drug driving, and increased homelessness. The Reverend Phil Kwiatkowski shares their concerns, particularly regarding the correlation between marijuana use and homelessness. He sees it every day as the executive director of the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago, the oldest continuously operating rescue mission in the country. Pastor Phil was one of the speakers at a recent forum on marijuana hosted by the Illinois Family Institute. Well, it's a joy to be here this morning, and this is, this is an important topic. Because many times the laws that are passed in Springfield and Washington have their consequences on the streets. And the police can tell you that and we can tell you that at Pacific Garden Mission. As a homeless shelter, we've been around for over 141 years. And I've been there this June 31 years and I have seen a change in the demographics in the face of homelessness. Years ago, you could probably picture a homeless individual as an older man with a, with a bag as he's drinking wine. The face of homelessness has drastically changed. And it's heartbreaking when you see 18, 19-year-old kids on the street. And we see that regularly. And and again, as a father myself, as as I look at some of these young men walking through our doors, and I think you should be preparing for your SAT test or choosing what college you're going to go to, but they're navigating life on the streets of Chicago, and they're homeless. And there is a correlation to homelessness and drug addiction, specifically marijuana usage. I read this last night. This was from the Addiction Center. I I believe this by my observation. But homelessness and addiction go hand in hand. And the end result of homelessness is often substance abuse. And substance abuse often contributes to homelessness. We're talking a lot about Colorado today. And again, this morning I read that In Colorado, there's an 8% rise in homelessness. That's a real issue in Chicago. When you see people under the streets or on the streets, now there's mattresses and people are calling us and asking questions. What do we do with these, the numerous individuals that are out there? There is a correlation with drug usage and homelessness. Many of the folks that come to us, and of course, Not all homelessness is driven by drug addiction, but I would say most of it is. We changed our policies probably about four years ago, and we were averaging about 1,200 people a night. Now now, now think of that number for a moment. 1,200 homeless men, women, and children just in our shelter alone. So I talked to the staff and we said, what are we doing? We're not here just to house people. We want to see life transformation, which I believe we're a Christian ministry and I believe that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. 
Well, what we did is we limited the stay. We had a 30-day in and a 30-day out policy, meaning if you're with us for 30 days, if you're homeless, that's fine. But after 30 days, you need to sit down with one of our intake workers and share what your plan is. Do you look, uh, are you looking for work? Are you going to school? If you're dealing with a, a substance abuse problem, we started what's called the New Day Substance Abuse Program. Theo here, he'll speak a little bit in a few moments. He's the head of our substance abuse program. We've seen an absolute change. So many of the men and women that have come to us uh, that have said, you know, I'm, I'm on the streets because I'm getting high, and we say, well, you can't stay here anymore unless you join our substance abuse program. Many of them have joined, and we've seen the changes. I think, uh, Ron, I think there's this guy, Big, Big Charles. He was, uh, his 30 days came up, and Ron gave him some job leads, and he, and he, and he wouldn't go, and Ron said, well, I have to, you have to go then. And he said, I want to tell you the truth. I got, I got a drug problem. And now he joined our, our substance abuse program, and uh, God has changed this man's life around. He submitted to Jesus Christ, and uh, his life has absolutely changed. He's working now. And I remember his, his graduation from the New Day program, his aged mother was sitting there, and he was saying, my mother has never seen me graduate anything in my life. This is the first time she's ever seen me graduate anything. Oh, and, and, and the joy that, that, that brought to me just hearing that. But again, there's another part of it that's not spoken about. In our schools today, because of our lack of discipline, and there are some educators here today, is uh, what we've done in our public schools is now we, we uh, prescribe Ritalin or some type of ADD medication to a lot of these young folks. And hear me, and you can look this up afterwards, structurally, Ritalin and cocaine come from the same structural substance. And, and the reason I say this, along with marijuana, is what we're seeing is a lot of these 18, 19-year-old kids that come to us, they come to us with bags of medication. Bags, and you see them. And now to join our program, you have to have a 30-day supply because when you go in our day room, and I see an 18-year-old kid, and he's basically a zombie. He, he's just sitting there. And I'm thinking, he's not even shaving yet, and you, you can't converse with him on a social level. And when you talk with him many times, he's smoking pots, and he started taking Ritalin that was prescribed to him as a kid. And you've mixed these two. You've mixed this Ritalin with this marijuana, and now you have an 18 and 19-year-old kid who's homeless on the streets of Chicago with nowhere to go, no, no motivation to get a job, no, no marketable skill. And I think that is the difference that you need to note with homelessness. Years ago, when you think of homelessness, you think of the 1930s and 40s. It was about getting a person dry. Get them off booze and get them back to whatever their job was. Maybe they were a mechanic or maybe they had some marketable skill. Just dry them out and get them back. A lot of these 18 and 19-year-old kids who come to us, they've dropped out of high school. They don't have a marketable skill. And here they are with a bag of medication in one hand and their marijuana in the other. And again, what the, what the uh, police officer said earlier, I can testify, it's not your daddy's weed. They call it loud, they call it skunk weed, and you're mixing it with, 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 with these prescription medications. You have some of them, they're zombies. I see them in our day room, they just walk circles. 19 years old, walk in circles. You can pass all the legislation in Springfield and Washington. You could sit in a room and say, this is good. It's not good. It's not good for our neighborhoods. It's not good for the future of our children. 
It's not good for any reason. And if you want to debate that, you come to a place like Pacific Garden Mission and you talk to some of these young men. And then I've heard from so many times that I was a young kid and I went to school, but then I started smoking pot. And then you hear the rest of the story. And here you are at a homeless shelter, 19 years old, with no college, never graduated high school, no marketable skill. And what will happen to that young man in the future? You know, I, I uh, had two gentlemen just quickly write down or their experiences. These are two men that, were, that are in our drug program. I started smoking marijuana at the age of 13, and this continued until the age of 27. Everyone was doing it, and it seemed like the cool thing to do. Originally, I thought smoking weed would make me smarter, but I found out that it actually made me delusional. I noticed I became more forgetful. I became more tired, and on a daily basis in which I looked to smoke more and try to recapture the initial rush, I also realized I started to procrastinate and always put off getting a job. This became a vicious cycle which led to experiments in other drugs such as cocaine, alcohol, and heroin. I soon found out that I lost total control. Being here at PGM has opened my eyes to the destructive path my life was on, and now I'm learning what intimacy with Christ looks and feels like. I no longer have to look for love in all the wrong places. Another one writes, I was introduced to marijuana by my family at the age of 10. Now, now, now when I say that, and I want you to hear me, I hear from many of these folks that they started using drugs with their parents. One young kid told me that the first person to ever inject him with a needle was his mother. And you hear these stories and you wonder why they've ended up at a homeless shelter, why they're living under the streets or under a bridge. I was introduced to marijuana by my family at the age of 10 years old and continued to smoke for more than 15 years. I felt that I needed to smoke morning, noon, and night. It appeared I could never get enough, which led to alcohol use and heroin addiction. Again, one common theme that I can't say enough is it is a gateway drug. Again, if you don't believe it, we could argue it, or you could talk about it in Springfield, but you go to the streets and talk to the people that are there. You go to a place like Pacific Garden Mission and you ask every one of those men, women, and children that maybe have struggled with it at one point, what was your first drug? Unanimously, you'll always hear marijuana. It's led to cocaine, heroin. So he says, I found myself stealing from my parents, neglecting my hygiene, stealing from stores, which led to incarceration for 10 years. Upon release from jail, I found myself struggling with depression and low self-esteem and irrational behavior. My family turned their back on me, which led me to more drug use. As I ref reflect back on my life, I realized before marijuana, I was a good kid. I mean, think about that. Before marijuana, I was a good kid. And this is what we want to legalize? And I decided to come to PGM's Bible program, which helped me become rooted and grounded in the Lord, which gave me a new perspective and meaning of life. And I walk with my head up, and I'll have a new outlook and attitude pertaining to being a productive member of society. I thank God he removed the shackles of addiction and gave me hope and a new life. I thank God he removed the shackles. Why do we want to legalize what is putting people in bondage? 
I believe one of the only things, or I personally believe the only thing that can free people, and again, I am a, a pastor, so I do quote from the book of Revelation where the Bible talks about sorceries, and the Greek word for sorceries is pharmakia, which is our English word drugs. I really believe it is a form of sorcery, and the only thing that can free a person is the person of Jesus Christ. And we have seen that time and time again. So my friend, as I close, and I'll turn it over to my colleagues, I want you to think about some of these issues because they are very real in our society. When we look at the problems that are happening in our streets, in the criminal justice system, right now there's a place in downtown Chicago, Pacific Garden Mission, 14th and Canal. People are streaming through the doors some as young as 18 years old, we can't legally take them any younger without a parent, with no direction and nowhere to go. For many of them, they will tell you, my first encounter with narcotics was marijuana. And why in the world do we even consider legalizing what has destroyed our cities? Pastor Phil Kwiatkowski, the executive director of the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago, during a forum on marijuana hosted by the Illinois Family Institute. Now, following these messages, you'll hear from two men whose path toward drug addiction and homelessness began with marijuana. But they're now serving God at PGM. Japan wants more immigrants. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. In most Western and developed nations, there's a looming fertility crisis. Birth rates around the world, especially in wealthier countries, have dropped below replacement levels. The economic and cultural consequences are potentially catastrophic. Exhibit A, Japan, a nation in which thousands of schools have been closed because of lack of students and where more diapers are sold for incontinent adults than for babies. The problem so bad that Japan recently did what until recently would have been unthinkable for them. It relaxed immigration laws. Now, hundreds of thousands of foreign workers will be welcome to do blue-collar and service jobs. Given the Japanese emphasis on, well, Japanese-ness, this seemingly modest step acknowledges just how severe the nation's demographic crisis truly is. It's not only Japan. Some East Asian nations have even lower birth rates, as do several European nations. Even the U.S. is headed in Japan's direction. When will we dispense with the myth of overpopulation and acknowledge the real problem? There's not enough babies. For more on faith and culture, come to breakpoint.org. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. State lawmakers are considering legislation that would legalize the recreational use and commercial sale of today's high-potency marijuana. During this portion of Spotlight, you'll hear from two men whose lives have been transformed by God after years of drug addiction that began with their use of marijuana. Ron Childers is now drug-free and a counselor at the Pacific Garden Mission. I was raised by a single mother who uh, was enslaved to some of the ravages and uh, things associated with uh, substance abuse, primarily uh, marijuana. I remember growing up as a young boy um, going to visit my mom because she had to leave me and my younger brother with my uh, grandmother. And I know this is a story that you hear over and over and over, especially as it relates to young black men. Um, I was left with my grandmother, so when I would visit my mom, you know, she would be having parties and uh, it would be weed smells all through, and I could see things in the ashtray and things like that. And also some of the hurt and pain that was associated with that. 
So you hear about uh, stories now about young men starting in, in uh, elementary and high school, uh, dealing with some of these issues. But because of what I saw going on with my mother, I was able to go through high school uh, without falling prey to any of those things. And um, it wasn't until I got to college where I fell victim to the ravages of uh, marijuana abuse and other kind of substances. I was introduced to marijuana by uh, some friends of mine in college uh, after making it through high school without doing anything like that. And the only reason I mention that is because I had an opportunity to be a completely different ind individual, especially going to a Division I college, uh, being one of the first ones in my family to ever go, and, uh, and then seeing the outcomes you know, 20, 30 years later when I compare myself to um, other men and women that I went to school with. But um, I took a hit of a marijuana joint from uh, one of my friends, and uh, at that point, it was like a floodgate was open for me. And without going into too much uh, detail, that led to cocaine use, uh, alcohol use, and then um, a 20 to 25 year struggle with uh, substance abuse and uh, being incarcerated throughout the so uh, Southeast primarily during that whole time. So that one hit from that joint led to a lifetime of struggles with uh, substance and um, alcohol and, and um, problems with law enforcement and things like that. And I thank God for bringing me out of that. And, uh, and again, I just want to say that there are, pro there are probably some good people who have good intentions uh, with some of the things, as far as I hear a lot about uh, mar uh, medical marijuana, that's just like it hurts my ears to hear that. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sorry for those that, that are proponents of that. But, uh, you know, for me, coming from a, a spiritual uh, mindset of it, uh, the Bible teaches us that um, Satan has certain tools and certain schemes and plots that he uses to enslave people in Sorry if I offend anyone, but I just see this as one of those schemes and one of those plots. You may have well-intended people to try to push uh, the legalization of marijuana and things like that. But when being in the ministry that we're in at the Pacific Garden Mission and seeing, like Pastor Field mentioned, thousands of people uh, on a daily basis that have been uh, generations, you know, not just the people that's there, but you have generations of uh, family members that's enslaved to uh, the ravages of substance abuse, primarily most of them being introduced by marijuana, you know, you get a different um, outlook on it when you have to sit face to face with someone and hear their story about what they're going through and about what their family's going through. So I would just ask that uh, we would consider those things. Not, let's not just look at what's right in front of us, but let's look at the results of some of the decisions that we make. And I'm standing here as a testament to it. I thank uh, my Lord and Savior for bringing me through. You know, we have the opportunity to stop this uh, savagery, what I call it, from happening to other families by some of the decisions that we make right now. So I would just implore you to um, be on the side of um, keeping this substance um, illegal because uh, it's doing a lot of damage in families. And thank you for allowing me to share. Good morning, everyone. My name is Theodore Jones. I'm a substance abuse counselor, manager at uh, Pacific Guard Mission. I'm also a former recovering drug addict myself. Uh, my journey with addiction started with marijuana. I started smoking marijuana probably in the sixth grade. 
uh, I moved from probably age 18, I started smoking crack cocaine. Then I started lacing the marijuana with PCP. So I had a horrific life and addiction. And um, as Pastor Field was saying, you end up in a place called Pacific Guard Mission. Thank God for Pacific Guard Mission. Uh, I went to Pacific Guard Mission. I got on the men's Bible program. I got a relationship with Jesus Christ. He transformed my life. As I always tell Pastor Field, the mission saved my life and gave me a wife. Uh, and... Uh, Words can't express my gratitude for this place. But eventually God took my misery and turned it into my ministry. Uh, we have a 44-bed men residential uh, substance abuse program at Pacific Guard Mission. And as Pastor Field was alluding to earlier, all these men that come through our program, the story is the same. You know, when you ask them, when we do an assessment, how did your addiction start? It all started with marijuana, and some of the young men, 18 to 26 years old, they come in, and the drug of choice is marijuana, and this marijuana, like you said, is not the mom and pop marijuana. This marijuana they got now is very potent. It's, it's at the degree of a PCP level. Uh, some of them come in hallucinating, having all kinds of issues and different things, uh, so I'm definitely an advocate against marijuana, period, any kind of drug, obviously, be just my testament and what drugs have done to my life, you know, uh, to have a second chance at life again, to watch God transform me and to reach out and help other people that suffer with the same things, uh, same addictions that I did is really profound because even here, uh, we average between 25 and 30. We got a men and women uh, program, but we average 25 to 30 men that come through with substance abuse on a on daily basis almost. And uh, we, we look at this as opportunities to reach and help other people that suffer with these addictions. I would just want to say thank you. Amen. Theodore Jones and Ron Childers with the Pacific Guard Mission in Chicago. Find out more about the work of the Pacific Guard Mission at pgm.org. This Christian ministry does not accept government funding. And please visit noweedillinois.com for a wealth of fact-based information about the negative impact legalized high-potency marijuana is having in other states and will have on the people of Illinois. Remember to call and ask your state lawmakers to vote no on marijuana. For their names and phone numbers, visit IllinoisFamily.org. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute and tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.